From the gray homestead in the heart of the Ozarks, this is Front Porch Anarchast. We're spreading the ideas of freedom and liberty from the front porch, one episode at a time. Front Porch Anarchast. Freedom starts on your own front porch. And this episode starts now. I heartily accept the motto that government is best which governs least. Carried out, it finally amounts to this, which also I believe, that government is best which governs not at all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Front Porch Anarchast. Not really sure how long it's been since the last episode. At least two months, three months. I don't know, but it's it's been a long, long time. But now I'm back again. And hopefully I'll get to these more regularly, but life has just, life's gotten in the way. I've got three kids. Those of you who have listened to the show before, you know that I have three kids. They're all under seven, including a one-year-old who, by the way, she's turned one-year-old since the last episode. She's got a mouthful of teeth. She's an eating machine. She eats all the time, or wants to eat all the time. In between all of that, I work a full-time job as well. And it's spring time now, so we've got, we have plants we've been dealing with. The yard has to be mowed regularly. Right now we're dealing with a lot of ticks. I don't know if if you guys have to deal with ticks, but they are all over the place. It's like a swarm of little of little um, pinpoint sized um, alien invaders or something. You pick anything up around here and they just they're on it. They start crawling up your arms. It's pretty unnerving, so Stay outside for a little bit. We go take a shower. The kids really hate it because they can't stay outside as much as they want to. We built a greenhouse. So we have a lot of plant starts. If you need some plant starts, just um, holler at us. We've got plenty that are ready to go in the ground. And it's been raining constantly for the last, I don't know, 10 days, something like that. It's kind of scary how long it's been raining. Got a a brief reprieve this uh, the well today anyway, and supposedly the next the next two days will be sunny as well, and then it's right back into a soggy hell again for us. So those of you who are returning listeners, I do appreciate it. Thank you for returning. I'm not really sure why you would, but hey, you know. Thank you. For those of you who are new to the to Front Porch Anarchast, let me introduce myself. My name is Richard. I'm an anarchist. And this is my podcast that I call Front Porch Anarchast. And let me explain that one a little bit to you because a lot of people seem to have problems with it, with that, especially the statists who might stumble onto um, onto my podcast, but. I call it Front Porch Anarchast because I came up with the idea for it on my front porch in the cabin, our off-grid cabin, and originally that's where I thought that I would be recording these, is on the front porch of my off-grid cabin, but life got in the way of that, and that rarely happens. I think it's happened once or maybe twice, and I call it Anarchast because it's a podcast about anarchy, an anarchy podcast or anarchast. So to me that seems pretty simple, but to the statists who run across me online on the uh, social medias or whatever, you know, the first thing they want to say is, you misspelled anarchist. Oh my gosh, guys, it had nothing to do with misspelling the word. But, you know, I found that a lot of statists, they don't think outside the box. And if you're one of these, uh, if you're one of the statists, if you if you happen to cross the, the podcast, somebody maybe shared it with you, or 
you just, um, you know, you wanted to click through and see what this front porch anarchist guy was all about. You know, okay, I'm not, I'm not intentionally trying to offend you when I say this, but, you know, statists have a hard time thinking outside the box. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why they're statists. Or maybe they're statists and it makes them feel... Maybe it hurts their head if they try to think outside the box. And I, I remember originally, I mean, I guess I've always been an anarchist at heart, but I didn't really know it. And, you know, I went through my statist phase. But back in uh, maybe 2010 or so, I maybe a little bit before that, I'd started listening to podcasts and and. You know, listening to this, I started kind of thinking outside the box, and and I realized that I'd spent my entire life thinking outside the box and tried to fit inside the box. It really wasn't working. So, I mean, I get it. I I get how hard it is to think outside the box sometimes. But, you know, if you've got an hour or so, probably shorter than that because my mind will wander and I'll, <laughs> I'll cut this off. Or somebody will start screaming somewhere. And, you know, today I'm re- tonight I'm recording this in the car and I have groceries in here that probably need to go in the refrigerator or something. But if you've got an hour or so to listen uh, to me pontificate about um, anarchy, then, uh, you know, I encourage you to stick around. Maybe you'll uh, maybe at the very least you'll see where where I'm coming from, maybe where anarchists are coming from or. You know, maybe you'll see some merits in the ideas, and maybe you'll start on your own journey trying to get outside of that box. And I usually, usually I like to spend uh, spend the bulk of time of the podcast just talking about some current events, things that have been going on and since the last episode, but oh my gosh, there's so much that has happened since the last episode. There's no way I can even, you know, I can even get into everything. In fact, maybe, maybe I'll do like rapid fire episodes and maybe I'll record a bunch in the next few days. Maybe this will encourage me to do a bunch of podcasts in the next few days, covering some of the, some of the topics, some of the current events from, uh, and give you from no and give you my uh my opinion you know from a anarchist point of view about these about these things that are going on in the real world so honestly i'm not even sure where to um where to start oh i know where i could start i could start with the covid pandemic is over not officially, I guess, but you know they brought on board. Um, they brought all of these um, the the vaccinations. I guess there's three different kinds, and since everybody started getting jabbed with those, the pandemic's over, and now we can stop wearing masks, and we can gather in groups. You hear those crickets and the frogs in the background. So the CDC says no more masks for vac- for fully vaccinated people. I don't understand that um, because, all right, I wore masks to protect other people. And now people are vaccinated, so they don't need to be protected. So why do the unvaccinated people have to wear masks? It doesn't make any sense to me. But none of that has made sense to me since the beginning, which has made me question this whole thing all along because – It's don't wear masks, do wear masks. Masks are effective, masks aren't effective, but they are if you stay six feet away, but not if you're three feet away. And if you're eating, you don't have to wear a mask, but if you are traveling from one table to another, you have to wear a mask. If it's 10 o'clock at night, you you can be out, but if it's 10.01 p.m., you can't be out because then you'll spread the COVIDs. You know, um, Walmart can stay open, but the clothing store can't stay open. I don't know. There was a lot of inconsistencies that just didn't make any sense to me. And, you know, being a guy that thinks outside the box, I'm thinking, okay, uh, you know, I need, I need something here that's more logical than 
than all of these arbitrary rules. And I mean, I stayed at home for 56 days. I, you know, I was, the only time I went out was to Walmart and, you know, I was told that was okay. I could do that. I had to wear a mask when I went in. I did. I went in and got my crap and I left and I came home. I was home for 56 days. Government shut down my employer and there I was, you know, and okay. So I got paid while I was home. And luckily, my employer also covered my my medical insurance while I was while I was home. So I stay at home for fifty six days, and then when I go back to work, I still have to wear a mask. And but even though I'm, I mean, it's safe for me to go back to work. I'm wearing a mask. I'm around thousands of people a day. I have thousands of people passing just sometimes not even feet from me, just inches from me. Uh, you know, and but that's okay. I can do that as long as we don't stay open past eight o'clock at night or seven o'clock, whatever it was that that city had imposed on us. You know, I, I, I didn't really get it, but I had no choice. I had to go along with it, so I did. And you know, as a complete side note, about. Just before all this started, my family and I, we got sick. We were down. And we hardly ever get sick. It was like we had the flu or something. And I guess this would have been in February of last year. And maybe just before that, maybe late January. Anyway, we were down and, and for a couple of days. And then, you know, we mostly got better. And then I had this tooth issue. And then after the tooth issue resolved itself, well, it didn't resolve itself, <laughs> There was a lot of interventions going on there, but after my tooth issue was taken care of, then I started get this feeling in my chest like like it like I'd just eaten a big meal and you know, it's kinda of a little difficult to breathe after that. And so it finally in July it was finally enough that I went to a doctor and a walk-in clinic. The first thing they did was send me to the ER and they hooked me up to an EKG to make sure I wasn't having a heart attack. And they poked and prodded and drew blood every six hours or something, every three hours. And it was a big mess just to tell me that they thought I had something, some kind of reactive lung disease or something. So I took some steroids for that. It didn't get any better. Go back. They did two... Um, CT scans, they did a um, whatever they do there to look at my thyroid glands. They did all sorts of blood work, and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. Now, you know, and they didn't do it all at once. It was like, go do the CT, schedule that for two weeks out, and then, or even more than that, whatever it was. And then once you go for that, then you have to wait for the results, keep hounding the doctors. I had to fire a doctor because I wasn't really getting any, wasn't getting any satisfaction there. So switched to a different doctor, more tests were ran on me and yeah, nobody knows what's going on. And now it's a year later, I'm still having this issue. Am I dealing with, you know, some kind of colon cancer or lung cancer or something? I don't know. They couldn't find anything on the, on their stuff. I guess the next step is to put a um, camera up my butt, which I'm not really thrilled with that. But I don't, I don't know what else to do because, you know, it feels like there's something inside me. And the more time that passes after the beginning of this uh, COVID pandemic, the more um, side effects, I guess, is the best word. The more um, long-term effects that they're discovering and they've got this thing they're calling long-haul COVID where, you know, some people are having all these different, um, they're having all of these different ailments afterwards, but, you know, shortness of breath and fatigue, which is what I'm having, seem to be a common denominator there. And so did I, did I get the COVIDs and you know, I'm, I'm still suffering from it. I don't know. I'm not denying that this was a real, you know, that there was a virus. I'm not one of those people to say they've never isolated a virus before because, hey, I don't know. Viruses make sense to me that there would be a, you know, a thing called a virus that could attack your immune system or, or you know, whatever 
thing that it does infect. Not a, you know, I, I don't deny that something like that could happen. It makes, you know, makes sense to me. But I'm also not a person that, you know, will go get vaccinated for every single thing. I can't remember the last time I had a vaccination. Which I don't know. Maybe that's led to my issues now. Maybe it has nothing to do with it. Maybe, you know, maybe this is some totally unrelated disease, but it has to make me wonder because I was perfectly healthy before all of this crap started. So, you know, it's just, again, it's got me thinking outside the box. Like, what what could be wrong? This does, this isn't normal for me to be this way. So, so I guess we'll find out because I guess the... The medical system is about to get more of my money, which it, it seems like that's more what they're more worried about getting my money than they are figuring out what's wrong with me. It seems like, you know, I shouldn't have to pay until they figure it out, at which point I would gladly pay. But right now I'm down like I'm down like five thousand bucks out of my pocket. And the insurance company says they've paid like fifteen thousand, which I don't even know how that's possible because I haven't even spent a whole day in a doctor's office or a hospital at this point. I did spend some time in the ER. Uh, you know, that was like six hours or eight hours or something like that. But man, you know, who's getting who's getting paid for all that? I couldn't even bring myself to look at that bill. But what are you gonna do, right? So the COVID is over. I guess everybody's gonna go back to living life normally. The uh, city I work in, they're going to lift their mask mandate on May 27th. Hopefully this episode goes out before May 27th. I don't understand why they didn't go ahead and lift it. Most every other place is, has lifted it. They said it's because this, that school, the last day of school is on the 26th or something. The tw- No, it's on the 27th and they're lifting this mask mandate at 11:59 p.m. on the 27th so that they don't have to um, confuse people who are going to school as to when they can when they can't they're so close to the end of the school year they want to finish it out with masks i guess i don't know again it doesn't make sense it's just completely arbitrary so big event covid is over it's almost like the last year didn't happen except for, you know, the people who died. And again, I get it. It was horrible for them. And I don't know, maybe it's been horrible for me. Maybe that's what this is. I don't know. But it seems like there's a there are a lot of people now who are still saying, even the fully vaccinated people saying that they're still going to wear masks. And they still seem pretty fearful about catching this. And, you know, the numbers keep going down. The people who Um, The new cases, those numbers keep going down. The deaths have really dropped. Maybe the the virus has worked its way through the population enough that the people who were susceptible to, um, to catching it have already either caught it or maybe they got vaccinated, so now they're not going to catch it. But the numbers are really dropping. So looks like we're going to be able to go back to... uh, living our lives, hopefully. I think the people were pretty much done with it anyway, and as soon as the winter was over, they were ready to they were ready to uh, get back to life. And I feel for the people who lost people they love during this. You know, I can't even imagine that. But here we are, guys. It's probably time that we, you know, get back to life. We never know how much longer we have, and In the last few months, I've really been thinking about that, especially with my problems, you know, and I've got kids that I want to, you know, I want to see them grow up and I want to see them enjoy life and having life put on hold, you know, because of this, I'm I'm willing to to voluntarily, you know, take my own risks with this, with catching this virus, but I'm still really not allowed to because things are all closed down or there's, you know, arbitrary rules put in place. Yes, I am recording this in the car, so you're going to hear some vehicles go by, but um, I want to enjoy life. I want to, you know, it's not like we really went a lot of places before, but 
you know, we could do a little bit of traveling. We're not interested on getting on airplanes. Uh, even pre-COVID, we didn't want to do that. And we don't want to travel internationally, but, you know, it would be nice to um, go hit a, one of the few places we like to eat or something like that. Just get back to life already going along with the COVID. So now that they're ending the COVID restrictions, there's a big push right now to to get people off of this federally funded expanded unemployment benefit that the feds are putting out there. It's $300 a month. Surely you've heard about the, $300 a month. $300 a week. Surely you've heard about this. So anybody on unemployment on state unemployment was getting an an extra $300 benefit from the federal government every week, as well as their their state unemployment check. Now, for me, um, like I said, I was off work for 56 days, so I also received that expanded benefit. Um, you know, was it good? Yeah, it was good. In fact, when I was getting the expanded benefit, it was $600 a week extra. Which just about, I mean, I broke even. I might have made a few more dollars that way. But the way I looked at it, okay, government shut down my job. So, yes, they should fully re, um, reimburse me for what I'm losing from that, right? As well as, um, you know, any opportunity for advancement. I knew it was going to put a, a hardship on my job when I went back. Sure enough, it did. All of the, the arbitrary arbitrary rules that were put in place uh, made things much more difficult in the, the hours and all of that. So, yeah, they owed me some money. So um, I took it, my 56, after 56 days, my, the company called me back up and said, hey, you know, come back to work. So I went back to work as I assumed that, you know, all they had to do was say, hey, we offered this guy his job back. He didn't take it, so, um, you know, cut him off of the unemployment. Anyway, so fast forward to now, and there is a so-called labor shortage. So there's a push to get people off of this. Um, they reduced the payments to $300. In case you weren't aware, I'm going to assume that most people are aware of this. So they, they reduced the payments to $300 a week instead of 600 and you add that to um, the state unemployment, and like in Missouri, the the max you can make is like three hundred and thirty something dollars on state unemployment. So then you add three hundred to that, you know, a person's making like six hundred and some odd dollars a week. And in Arkansas, it's probably about the same. There was one state I I, I know Ohio or Georgia where I think you could max out of like $400 a week. So they were, make, you know, people on unemployment, they were making $700 a week. So all of the, um, all of these business owners, they're complaining, oh, oh my gosh, we can't find anybody to work. And the reason we can't find anybody to work is because all of these lazy people on unemployment, you know, they think it's better just to stay at home and draw this money. We can't, we can't compete with these wages. Well, what does that figure out to be? 300 and 300 that's $600 a week. And somebody, so how much would you have to make a week uh, at a job to pay for you to go back to work instead of staying at home, drawing the unemployment? Is that 12 is that $15 an hour? Whatever it is there, it's, uh, maybe it's $15 an hour. Anyway... You know, it's it's not a lot. So you, you would expect that, you know, if employers wanted to get people to come back to work, that they'd just be like, okay, well, there's $17 an hour. How about that? Now, we all know that this federal unemployment benefit was going to, um, it was going to crap out in September anyway, the 1st of September, like September 6th. So, you know, you better have started looking for a job because that money was going to dry up, that extra $300. And then I'm assuming the state would make you start looking for a job at that point anyway. And, you know, then what are you going to do? So you kind of already needed to 
to have secured this job, this, you know, this good paying job. But along come all of these business owners, I guess probably the people who pay on the lower end of the scale, and they're complaining, oh my gosh, we can't compete with $15 an hour. Now, these are the same people who are saying, you know, that it, a $15 an hour minimum wage probably wouldn't hurt them, but now they can't pay the $15 an hour. So they want government to to quit giving out that extra benefit so that they don't have to compete with pink government. So the feds, no, we're not stopping it until September 6th. So these governors come along and they're like, we need this... We need a labor force. We need people to work. So we're going to stop the federal government from giving these people money. It's so short-sighted. That, that is such a uh, short-sighted um, remedy for this so-called labor shortage. First of all, First of all, they haven't even proven that there is a labor shortage. I mean, I've looked at the numbers for quite a few states. Missouri, Arkansas, Ohio, Georgia. There are a few more people on unemployment now than there was prior to the pandemic. I think nationwide, there's only 20 million more people that are unemployed. So even if you just did a quick average, you know, and you you divide that 20 by 50 states, you know, you're talking 500,000 people in each state, which there were not that many in in these states like Georgia and Ohio and Arkansas. I mean, we're talking more like 7,000 in either Missouri or Arkansas. I don't remember which. So 7,000 more people unemployed now than then, which leads me to believe that there's, you know, the economy can probably absorb 7,000 jobs. Now, when you look at the overall numbers, the overall numbers are huge of people that are on unemployment because they were before it started, like 100,000 in each in each of these states. So you're talking about 7,000. The economy can probably absorb 7,000 jobs. But the demand from these employers, or, or would-be employers, to me, I think it's um, it's an artificial demand for labor because why would this be? Well, you have 100,000 people in each one of these states that's drawing not only what they were drawing before when they were on unemployment, but they're also drawing an extra $300 a week. So if you have 100,000 people on unemployment in, let's say, the state of Georgia, you have 100,000 people. Okay, so you've got 100,000 people and they're making $300 a week on their state unemployment. You know, do the math on that one. Well, now since this Fed, the federal unemployment benefit came along, now you double that. So now people who were barely getting by before who were on unemployment, which was 100,000 people, let's say, before the pandemic, you know, now there's only 107,000 on it, but still... So now you've got 107,000 people, and you multiply that by another $300 a month. Well, now people who were getting by on uh, a week, now people who were getting by on $300 a week, now they're getting by on $600 a week. So you know what? Maybe they splurge. Maybe they go, you know, they hit up McDonald's once a week, or maybe they hit up the, uh, the pizza place once a week. Or, you know, maybe they, um, maybe now they have enough money to buy a used car, which, you know, I'm in the market for some used cars right now, and oh my gosh, the price on these things have skyrocketed. Everybody wants to sell a 20-year-old car for $3,000, 20-year-old car with 220,000 miles on it. Uh, my favorite ones are the ones that say the cat... The cats are gone and the and it needs a new motor, but you know I'm selling it for three thousand dollars. Whatever, dude. These things, you know, you couldn't give them away before the pandemic, and now that everybody has the uh, pandemic money, you know, they're looking for a car because they know they have to have some transportation, so they've got the extra. So they're going out to eat. They're, you know, maybe they're buying more gas. Um, there's 
you know, they have some disposable income that they didn't have before. So, yeah, it's driven up the uh, the demand for workers because, and it seems like restaurants are the ones that are really calling for new um, new workers or uh, more workers. Well, yeah, because these people have they have disposable income, so it's driven up the. Um, the demand for workers and what's going to happen when this $300 a month stops or 300, I keep saying month, $300 a week. This, when, what happens when that stops? Well, the demand for the workers are going to drop because I mean, when your sales drop, you don't need as many workers. You don't have to give them as many hours. So, um, you know, guess what? All of a sudden you've got a bunch of unemployed people again. I don't know, you know, these hard-nosed, I said hard-nosed because I really wanted to say something else, but it's like, um, I don't know if you've listened to any of these governors. Um, I really didn't want to listen to them, but I, I just got involved in it. You know, there was a lot, of so, a lot of people on social media, you know, saying, oh, lazy people need to go back to work. These people are just lazy and they don't want to work. And... Um, we need to put them back to work and quit taking our money. Okay. The money's already been printed up, guys. It's already it's already been printed. It's going to get spent somewhere. It might as well go to the people who need it. If it doesn't go there, it's going to be probably used to buy bombs to drop on people over in the Middle East or something. Make new missiles or whatever happens. They're buying new um, fighter airplanes, fighter jets, whatever. Um, it's already been printed. It's already in circulation. I mean, the the interest is already going to have to be paid on it. So, and, and the inflation, it, it's already already caused the inflation. It might as well go to people who need it. But instead, the other people who are working, who have worked through this whole thing, instead of being happy for their fellow man, they uh. You know they want to throw a fit. They're like, "Oh, these people are lazy." I had to work through this. Uh, I had to work through this whole this whole pandemic, and you know they're not any better than me. You know what? I don't have any animosity toward people. I, I mean, I was out for fifty six days. If there are people who are still on unemployment due to the pandemic, and they're, you know, they're getting six hundred dollars a week, you know, more power to them. The the money, the damage has already been done, and. It doesn't bother me if some other guy has got enough to feed his family. That's bottom line. I don't care. And I really don't see why all these Karens and Kevins, whatever they want to call them, I don't see why they're so worried about it. Maybe it's because they have to wait a little bit longer when they're in line at McDonald's, you know, and so they want more workers in McDonald's and, and they haven't really thought it through because they're thinking inside the box. They're, they're, you know, their government is telling them there's a labor shortage and the best way to get rid of the labor shortage is to put people back to work and that even lazy people will go back to work if they're not making enough money. So cut that money off. Then you don't have to wait in line at McDonald's for your Big Mac or you don't have to wait in line at Starbucks for your Frappa Mochaccino or whatever. Yeah, Cut the $300 a week off, and you'll see pretty quick that you don't have to wait in line very long anymore. But it won't be because they hire more people. It'll be because there's just not as many people going to those establishments and buying their products. But, you know, hey, it's government. I didn't expect anything more logical out of them than that. And, you know, I'm not really – I'm not the socialist kind of guy. I'm, I'm, I'm an anarchist. Anarchist does not mean communist to those of you who are who are new to the idea of um, of anarchy. Anarchy is just freedom. It's it's no rulers. It doesn't mean no rules. It it just means that that there's nobody who just assumes power over you and and tells you what to do. You're free to um, interact with whoever you want to, join forces with whoever you want to. And, you know, you guys work it out. If you want a leader and you want to follow somebody, knock yourself out. I mean, in a in a truly anarchist society, that would be the way it would happen. Communist society, completely different. I mean, it, communists, you have to do exactly what the group tells you to do or it just doesn't work. 
and that that brings me to um, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the podcast, but that brings me to my my first ever listener mail. If you would like to leave listener mail for me, you can do that by going to anchor.fm slash front porch anarchast. And that's anarchast with an H. If you found the podcast on like Google Podcasts, you should be able to click a yeah, you should be able to click a link there that will take you to the um, to the page for Front Porch Anarchast. And I you know I'm on I'm on Facebook. I don't know how long they'll let me stay there, but anyway, I'm on Facebook, Front Porch Anarchast. You can send me mail. The email address for the show is frontporchanarchast at gmail.com. You can um, you can even find me on WordPress, and I believe that it's wordpress.com slash frontporchanarchast there. You can find me on the MeWees. Man, MeWees getting, uh, it's getting tough over there. It's I really liked it in the beginning, but now it's, it's mostly just, um, yeah, anti-Semites and anti-vaxxers and who else am I running across over there? Pretty much, pretty much the uh, conspiracy theorist kind of people over there. And I, was, I really had high hopes for MeWe. They don't censor the post nearly as much, and you can share files over there and, instead of just uh, sharing pictures. So. It would have been a great place, and, and there's still a few groups I'm in that, you know, have nothing to do with politics or religion that, and they, you know, they weed those kind of posts out, like uh, farm swap kind of things. So, you know, if you're brave enough, you could try MeWe, but uh, be careful when you get over there. Now that I've totally gone off in the weeds, I'll try to get back, uh, try to get back on the right path here. Listener mail. So, um, a person named Hayden has sent me a, uh, a voicemail uh, asking a question, and I want to see if I can play this. If the, uh, if the audio doesn't sound too good, then on the podcast, I can always just, um, just edit in his, his message. It was, he had better audio probably than, than what my podcast gets recorded in, because if, if you... If you if this is the first time you listen to this, I record these on a cell phone, on an old cell phone, in a car most of the time, and uh, then I edit it on a um, on a laptop and then put it on out there. So I don't have the best audio quality. If you're an audio snob, um, yeah, this is as good as the audio gets. If you start listening through expecting to hear better audio. Uh, wrong you're going to hear worse audio sometimes i do these while i'm driving so um, that could be pretty bad i'm trying to talk and find this at the same time okay so here's the um here's the message that hayden left for me like i said if the vit if the audio isn't that good from from here i'll just edit that in but his his audio sounded really good and all he did he went to um anchor.fm slash front porch anarchist and uh, there's just a button there. You can just click on it. You can record it from your um, from your laptop or uh, I guess from your phone too. Whatever it just records it right there and just leaves it for me. And then I can I can either play it back like this or I can just import it back into the into the the podcast. But if you have anything you would like to ask me or you know you have a comment on something, feel free. And then I'll add it in just like I do here. Don't put anything in it that you wouldn't want someone to hear though because well unless you tell me in the message not to put it uh, not to put it out there but you know it's not scary I'm not going to edit your stuff to make you sound like you've um, you know said something that you haven't I if you if you use um, profanity I'll probably bleep that out but you know and I'm not gonna I don't want to play back you know like 10 minutes of some sort of uh, schizophrenic uh, manic uh, rant about you know uh, lizard people or something like that. So if it's on topic and it's concise and uh, it's not laced with profanity, the chances are really well, are really good that you're going to get it on front porch anarchist. So here is Hayden's question. Hey, uh, just a casual listener calling in. 
um, was interested in finding out your thoughts on libertarian socialism and communist anarchism, uh, because I honestly find that incredibly interesting. And I find that a lot of anarchists online don't really know about it uh, or the kind of stuff that they talk about. So I was wondering if you know about that set of ideology or practice and what your take is on it. So see what I mean? His his audio was great. And uh, it sounds like he's got a pretty good setup there. And it's a really intelligent question. Um. When I when I first started really delving into um, into podcasts and started listening um, pretty much uh, eight to ten hours a day to um, to podcasts, I was looking for anything that was about um, anarchism or um, libertarianism, and um, you know I'll listen to some some things about atheism. The, the problem with atheism and podcasting is that a lot of atheists are hardcore statists. You would think, or I would think, that you know a person who thinks freely about religion and has broken free from any kind of um, organized religion like that, you would think that they would be a little more open-minded to the ideas of freedom, but man, um, they're... You know, they're pretty, some of those guys are pretty hardcore statists. Um, not to say that there are, you know, that there aren't uh, atheists who are anarchists, because, you know, hello, my name is Richard. I'm an anarchist. Evidently, some anarchists think there's a difference between anarchy and anarchism, and I think that also um, that anarchy is just like what it sounds like. There's no rulers. People do what they want to do as long as they aren't hurting somebody else. Because when you hurt someone else, there are consequences. And I guess the difference between statists and anarchists is that the statist and the anarchist, they, they draw the line at a different place when it comes to uh, deciding what hurts someone else. So the anarchist, he's just like, hey, if you're not physically hurting somebody else, it's pretty much you know, it's pretty much okay. So, stealing someone's stuff, it it doesn't physically hurt them, but they have expended some labor to procure whatever that was. Whatever amount of labor that they had to, you know, even if it wasn't very much, if you steal it from them, that is harming them. So, basically, in anarchy, don't steal, pe don't steal people's stuff and don't hurt people, right? It seems more like when people start talking about anarchism that they start thinking of this philosophy of instead of just not hurting people and not stealing their stuff, now all of a sudden when you add the ism to it, it's you're looking out for the other person and you're trying to help them. And, and so that's where the libertarian socialists see. I didn't forget that I was answering this question. The, the libertarian socialists that I've listened to, and I can't tell you anybody's names. Um, I've listened to quite a few of them, and as a matter of fact, in preparation for this episode, over the last few nights, I've, or the last week or so, I've been listening to some libertarian socialist podcasts, and oh my gosh, there's one guy that I've tried like, I don't know, three or four times to listen to his podcast, and I fall asleep in the middle of it. It's only like 40 minutes long, and I'm I'm out like a light probably before the first three or four minutes are, are up because I, I just can't get into it. Hayden, I'm not knocking you at all because it is interesting to think about libertarian socialism, uh, but these guys, I, I've heard them refer to themselves as lib socks. I think they're missing the mark here because it's great if you want to help somebody, to help them. And it's great to be an anarchist. And it's great to be an anarchist and help people if you want to help them. But the libertarian socialists that I've listened to, they want to make it mandatory that people are helped. And you can't really... I don't see how you can claim to be a libertarian or an anarchist 
if you are willing to take from one person and give it to someone else using force. There's just no, I mean, there's no way you can, you could be an anarchist and do that. I'm not saying that the Libsocks are, are bad people because I, I truly believe they have, you know, they're, they're thinking about their, their fellow man who needs help. And, but what they're not thinking about is, is in that process, unless it's voluntary, then they're causing harm to someone else. And, you know, two, two wrongs make a right or two rights make a wrong. I don't know. Um, I would, you know, I don't want anybody taking from me to give to someone else, even if it's, you know, even if it's for that person's own good, I don't, I don't like that. If, um, you know, if I know somebody that needs help, I'll help that person. How about that? You know, usually I'm the guy who needs the help and I'm not even, I, you know, why would I want to force somebody to give me something? I, I, I have no desire to do that. I'll go live in a tent, you know, me and the kids will all go live in a tent if we have to, but I can't imagine holding a gun to someone's head and making them pay, pay me money or give me food or whatever. I guess if things got really bad and I had no other option, that's what I would do because I don't want to see my kids starve. But man, it would have to get bad because I mean, you know, worst case scenario, I know where to find worms and bugs that I could eat. It turns out that evidently we're pretty good at raising chickens. You know, we could, we've got more eggs right now than we can eat. And I, I've eaten a lot of eggs. I'm staring at our garden right now. It's looking, uh, it's looking a little drenched out there, but you know, it's coming along right nicely. And we're learning to preserve our food and uh, how to be more effective when we're growing food. We've built a greenhouse and Jennifer, man, she's got, I don't know, she's probably got 500 plants out there. I'm, we're pretty resourceful people. We could take care of ourselves. And so I just can't imagine sticking a gun to someone's head. Now I have talked to, I mean, I've, I've heard them in the podcasts and, you know, I don't think they really think about it as sticking a gun to somebody's head. I think they just think that people would do that or that maybe it would be okay to impose some sort of tax on people for living in a society. So to me, that's no more than just being a statist. I'm not really sure that, that libertarian socialism is a thing. It almost sounds like an oxymoron. You can either be libertarian or you can be socialist. I just don't know how you can be both. And I've got a really short answer for the uh, anarcho-communists. Yeah, there, you can't be an anarchist and a communist. Not in the traditional sense. There's just, there's no way. Can people voluntarily choose to live in a commune? Yes, they could do that. Are they successful? I'm sure they are. I've read, I've read stories, um, articles, um, news articles, and um, like in Wikipedia about about some communes, you know, around the around the U.S. that are working even today. But they're usually smaller affairs, but they still have a central. Um, governmental structure, I guess you would call it. Even if every person in the commune has an equal say about something, the commune itself has more power than the individual inside the uh, the commune. So in one sense, the, a person could be an anarchist and choose to break away from the traditional statist model, uh, well, at least the traditional U.S. statist model, they could break away from the democracy of that and the um, and from capitalism, which I realize capitalism is an economic system. It's not so much a uh, political system. They are intertwined. But a person could be an anarchist and choose to live with a group of people and follow whatever that group says. So in that sense, they can be an anarchist and a communist. Um, but it you know, they're still, they're living by the rules of the group, but the group itself is being the ruler. And then, that that addresses the commune, the, like the smaller level commune thing. So I guess in one sense, a person could be an anarchist and a communist at, at the same time. The other type of communism that we're all familiar with, you know, like the, um, like the Soviet Union, it how is how could you be a 
an anarchist and support the um, you know that that model of government. I I can't call it anything else because it's so centralized, and you don't really even have a you don't really even have a say in it. Uh, I guess. I mean, you can't vote with your you can't even vote with your money in that. You can't vote with your feet because you can't get away from them. And I've had conversations online anyway with uh, with people who call themselves anarcho-communists, and they want to force me into their collective, and I'm not allowed to do anything that the collective doesn't allow me to do. It's I would do whatever I'm supposed to do, whatever the collective tells me to do, and that's my lot in life. And, you know, to be fair to these anarcho-communists, I don't think they've really thought that through. Because each one that I've spoken to, or um, it's more like um, corresponded with, they've told me that, that, that they have no intention on forcing this communism on me. And I'm like, well, really? I mean... So I'm in your I'm I'm in your geographical area because you're claiming the whole geographical area. And I want to open a lemonade stand. You know, can I can I do that? And they're like, "Well, yeah, you can do that." And my next question is, "Okay, so so you have no problem with me hiring a couple of people to run my lemonade stand?" And that's where the backlash starts right there is I'm not allowed to um, employ people because all of the means of production would be owned by the collective. So to open a lemonade stand, basically the collective has to agree that that's what's going to happen. And the workers, the people who work at it, will equally share the profits. So so I'm just not allowed to open the lemonade stand. But, but you know, we're in an anarchist society, so why can't I open a lemonade stand? If you... Um, and it only gets worse if you start talking about something real, like uh, like I could have a farm, my own farm, to provide for myself, but I can't have a farm and employ somebody else to help me with the uh, with the harvest, because once I do that, then that person owns part of the harvest instead of me just paying him whatever you know whatever he and I agree on. So, you know, I'm trying to make this simple. If some guy, if I've got a farm. And I've got more than I can harvest. And I tell some guy down the road, say, hey, you know, if you'll come down here and help me with this for a day, I'll give you a bottle of wine. That's not allowed, evidently, in the uh, anarcho-communist model. Seems silly to me, but the anarcho-communists that I have um, corresponded with which I don't know, maybe half a dozen guys, and and listening to uh, podcasts, that's the that's their answer is that I'm just I'm not allowed to I'm not allowed to have employees. So I keep pushing the issue, and well, that's not really anarchy and everything. Well, even if that were allowed, they think I wouldn't be able to find anybody to work for me because who would want to do that? Who would want to work on a private farm and not reap, you know, whatever, if it's me and one other guy doing it, then he would want half of it. Even though, you know, I'm the one that planted everything and and I've been, you know, cultivating everything all year long. I let one guy come along uh, to help me one day and now all of a sudden he's supposed to have half of it. That doesn't make sense, right? I just want to hire somebody to come in and help me with a harvest for one or two days, something like that. And he and I, you know, we should just be able to agree on what we want to agree on. But that totally throws off the entire anarcho-communist model. I'm not really a fan of the uh, libertarian socialists or the libsocks, but the anarcho-communists, to me, it just, it makes no sense at all. One guy I was corresponding with, he, you know, we talked about it and he told me nobody would want to work for me, and I'm like, yeah, but if somebody does, then I can hire them, right? Well, no, you really can't, and if you insist on doing that, then we would help you relocate outside of the collective. Well, what kind of anarchy is that, where the collective comes to my house, loads me up, and drives me, you know, to the county line or the, or the state line or whatever, and tells me, you know, this is where I have to live, and, you know... 
after talking with uh, with one of those guys for a while, he did do some backpedaling and decided that, you know, he wouldn't relocate me. I just wouldn't be able to find people to work for me. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. So, yeah, not a not a fan of the uh, the anarcho communists. And I've listened to a lot of those podcasts in the last few uh, few days, like I said before, last few days last week and I just get so angry I was listening to one that was called um, from below I think I'd have to have to look at that again oh yeah it's called from below man that one was hard to listen to because evidently the people who I listened to a couple of different episodes one of those was it was some people who were living who are living in California and this was more toward the beginning of the pandemic I think when it was recorded and man it hurt to listen to because they kept calling themselves anarchists but you know they were wondering where their money was going to come from and you know they didn't feel safe going to work so who was going to pay them and I'm like are you guys even listening to yourselves you're not anarchists at all uh, there was another episode about um, black anarchists. Again, it didn't seem to me like it had anything at all to do with anarchy. It was more um, how can the state address civil rights, that kind of thing. And I'm like, guys, you know, I normally don't care what people call themselves, but you're not anarchists in either one of these senses. I mean, especially the guys in California, that was just... That was hard to listen to because, you know, I mean, they were they were wanting the state to give them money, not because things were not because the state closed them down, but because they were scared to get out and and put their health at risk. It just that makes no sense to me. Anarcho-communists, I don't I don't get it at all. Hayden, thank you for for sending that um, that message to me. And and I hope I addressed from my point of view, at least, uh, what I think about libertarian socialists and anarcho-communists. I don't think I minced any words there. Not a fan of either one. Uh, but, you know, the libertarian socialists, that would be great if you could get a group of people together that that want to do that. And and even the anarcho-communists that... that, that could manage to live together if they could do that and do it on a very small scale where they're not coming over and telling me you know what I can do then you know more power to them I'm not going to stop anybody from from being a statist you know really don't care what they call themselves it's it's strange to call yourself something you aren't but hey you know knock yourself out we're all free right and I'm glad that you asked the question or um, or one of my thoughts on the subject anyway about libertarian socialism and anarcho-communism, because you know, right now with the uh, with the different state governments that are trying to crack down on this federal unemployment and and unemployment in general, it's a it's a very strange time, especially in in this society. I mean, it would be different if this was a um, if this was a society that called itself socialist. It doesn't, even though it has a lot of socialist tendencies. It it seems like that people are falling back on the um, on the state at this point for financial assistance. I mean, that's that's going to cause all sorts of havoc in the economy. We're like I said earlier, we're already seeing some of the effects of the inflation now. It has artificially uh, manipulated the the labor market and just you know there there's so many problems that people are they're they're falling back on that I fell back on it but did I government took my job away from me they they said you can't go to work because your employer cannot be open so at that point I mean, what do I do? Do I, you know, do I, have, how much do I have to scrap? How long am I going to get to stay in my, uh, the house I rent until my landlord says, hey, buddy, you got to get out because I got to get somebody, you know, that's, 
that's working at Walmart, you know, they can they can pay the rent on this place. So I want you out and the Walmart guy is going to be in. Um, it would be different if I chose to stay home, but I didn't. I was shut down. So if anybody else caused me, you know, financial ruin, I would expect to be compensated by that person. This just happened to be a government that shut me down. So, I mean, I still expect that that entity to reimburse me. So, you know, is is that really socialist? Is it really communist? I, I don't think so. You could tell me I'm wrong, you know. Anchor.fm slash front porch anarchist. A link. Uh, you can find a link to it just anywhere where you find this podcast. You should just be able to click through and uh, and leave me a message about that. Speaking of economic systems and job markets and such, I also do I do vinyl decals and I do vinyl t-shirts on the side. So if you have a, a need for a vinyl decal to put on your car or a... Uh, a t-shirt, you know, just a one-off t-shirt. Um, send me a message. We'll see what we can do. I don't, I don't like the idea of intellectual property. I don't like the idea of copyrights, but I don't violate the copyrights. If a person asked me not to reproduce their work, I probably just wouldn't reproduce their work. But um, copyrights is the government forcing me to not do it. So I do have to abide by it, but I don't have to like it because I don't want to do jail time. I surely don't want to get fined. So please don't ask me to do anything that's copyrighted, because I have to tell you no. Anything else, if you've got an idea for a decal, if you have an idea for a t-shirt, shoot me a message and let's work something out there. They're extremely affordable. You know, I can do drop shipments. So if you've got a great idea for a decal, or you think you do, uh, shoot me a message. We'll work out a design for it, and then um, I'll make those, and you tell me where to ship them, and that's what I'll do. No design fees or or setup fees, and no minimum orders there. So you know, let's partner up. Let's uh, let's make some t-shirts and decals. I'll manage to find some time to get that done. So much has happened. There's so much to talk about. I briefly discussed the unemployment issue and the end of the the pandemic but hey there's so much else there's there's gun grabbing gun laws coming along there has um there's been fighting and um in israel you know one group against the other and the uh, u.s government funding at least half of that i would i would assume and the government's trying to phase out gasoline engines Man, that sucks too because I just put a new motor in my expedition. You know, I was expecting to get ten more years out of it, and uh, and they're talking about eventually abolishing the sale of gasoline, which is going to suck. I don't know what they really think that we're going to do, especially those of us who live off off grid. Because I mean, I can't make enough electricity to power a vehicle. In fact, part of my plan on uh, on powering my home involves my vehicle too, so uh, as a backup. So, yeah, I don't. I'm not looking forward to that one. I'm, I'm really hoping that they can't pull that off. But I guess you know, I could always learn to distill alcohol and run it that um, run my vehicles off of alcohol, or maybe I'll figure out how to make uh, biodiesel, and that way I can run my truck off of uh, biodiesel, right? But I could talk all night. I don't have any more time to talk, though, because i got to get the groceries in the house. Again, guys, I do appreciate everyone listening, whether, you, um, whether you're a returning listener or if this is your first time. If it's your first time, really, I would um, urge you to listen to a couple more episodes of Front Porch Anarchist. If you go way down to the, to the earliest episodes, I kind of lay out uh, some basic philosophies I have on life. You might want to look at those and listen to those and let that let that be a decide help you decide whether or not you want to listen to any more episodes. I don't really have guests on uh, on the podcast. I've had one or two, like one real guest, and then uh, I've had Jennifer, my partner, on there on here before. But you know, usually it's just me. 
and a microphone. One man and a microphone. You get what you get. If you don't like what you're, uh, if you don't like what you hear, you could always apply for a uh, a refund of your uh, purchase price, <laughs> and uh, I'll probably send you back exactly what you paid for that episode of Front Porch Anarchist. How about that? And with that, I guess that's uh, gonna be the end of this episode of Front Porch Anarchist. Thank you for listening, and I hope you listen again. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchist. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchist on Facebook.